Welcome to Life Hurts God Heals. I'm your host, Kurt Flegel, and today we have a great show for you. A great show. We're going to be talking about identity, namely discovering your true identity. To help me with that, I have a, a special guest today, Jan Lamero, who created the curriculum that I personally went through called Discovering the True You. Now, today's broadcast is going to be a little rough because Jan and I had to talk on Zoom, and so the audio you are about to hear may not be the best quality, but the content is incredible. So hang in there, strap in, and enjoy the ride. So Jan, thank you so much for being willing to be on the show. I appreciate you. Thank you. I'm honored to be here, to be your guest. I'm honored, too, because whether you know it or not, you and your husband, David, have had a huge impact on my life in the last few years, and, and I really appreciate you both. Uh, a lot of the healing, a lot of what I've learned about God and myself come through both of you, and mm. yeah, in fact, I the spiritual direction school that I got to mm -hmm. be involved with for two years learning how to be sensitive to, to experience God's presence and his, mm -hmm. listen to his spirit and then live out of that overflow in every moment. That's really what the spiritual direction school is about. That happened because, because you told me about oh, it. That's right. That's right. I, I did invite you to that, didn't I? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was life changing for me to begin with. So how can I not invite other people that I think are amazing? Isn't it cool how that works? It like, really is. Yeah, I had totally forgotten about that. But yeah. Yeah, we were meeting at a conference. Well, your husband David and I were meeting and I was pouring out all my woes <laughs> <laughs> and all my struggles. As he, one does at a conference. <laughs> especially to him. I don't know what it is about David, but he is just so open for me to feel That's safe true. with. Yep. And, uh, and he said, I, as he was listening to me, he said, I think you need to talk to Jan <laughs> about the spiritual direction. Mm -hmm. It might be where this might be the season of your life where this is right for you. Wow. And that was the beginning of a journey, right? Yeah, and that's what it's called, right? Yeah, that's right. right. The, journey. the journey. So today we're, we're going to be talking about identity because that's big for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sherry and I, my wife and I, just went through a curriculum with you, a six-session curriculum. Make sure I got it right since I just did it. <laughs> might take back my <laughs> graduation. <laughs> Living the true you. Would you would you uh, talk about that, like what the curriculum is all about? Yeah, Living the True You is like a course to help people be set on their true path. Like you were created for uh, a specific purpose. Uh, God, you know, knew you before the foundation of the world. He had intentions for who Kurt Flagel would be, who Jan Lomero would be your specific identity and calling is like only to you like every snowflake can you imagine every snowflake on the earth is utterly and completely different that that blows my mind and i actually i don't know if you know this but i'm an identical twin i think so, i heard that and i forgot yeah and so most of my growing up life people didn't know me for me and in fact, it, it wasn't until I got into college that it began to bother me that my name 
to people was Janner Jean. That's how I, that's how I heard it a lot of times. Oh, Janner Jean, who, you know, whichever one you are, and then they would ask a question. And so I realized people didn't really know who I was. They knew us as twins, but our identity is so intimate and unique and special and we are all utterly different. So I'm utterly different than my twin, even though some people couldn't tell, tell us apart, you know, physically, we have very different personalities and we were created for different purposes. She's actually a missionary in South America, in rural South America, church planting down there. And I ended up church planting in the States. Uh, I'm definitely called to the, the bride of Christ in the United States. But you can only be who God intended you to be when you actually realize who that is. And we sort of stumble around a good portion of our life, you know, trying to figure out who we are. And, and then like about forties, people say, you know, that that's when you hit your midlife crisis or, you know, have an identity crisis or something like that. And we certainly have enough life experience at midlife to, you know, begin to sort of connect the dots and figure out who, who we are. So I don't think you're behind if you hit forties, you know, even fifties and are just figuring out who you are. But when when you do have a little bit of intentionality and strategy to sort of figure that out, then you can be it. And I love the quote, you probably heard me say it so many times, knowing your true identity brings focus and rest. I'm pretty sure it was Alison Bound who said this. Uh, she's an, an author. But knowing your true identity brings focus and rest. And so I can focus on who I was meant to be and rest from all the other things that I wasn't meant to be, which we've sort of been the first half of our life, like striving and trying to figure this out. I feel like that when we figure out our true identity, we can begin to rest a little bit. Hmm. So that's what this course does. It helps you to begin to know your true identity so you can focus. What do you think the obstacles are for people them from knowing their true identity Maybe even from your story, you said it wasn't until college that that really began to bug you. Two questions. What are the obstacles that people face? And why was it in college that that began to bug you? Maybe they're related. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think for one, we just go on autopilot. I mean, we're just doing life. You know, we're learning how to do life. I, I feel like when you hit college, you begin to think about your uniqueness, mm. you know, and even this, maybe the stereotype is that, you know, kids will rebel or something from the things that they grew up with, you know, to sort of test the waters and see what is true and stuff like that. So we've sort of been go going under uh, the direction of our parents and family and stuff. And now like, okay, but is that really true? Or is that all there is? Is that who I really am? Like if I was born somewhere else, would I be this person? Mm. Um, and I think that's why maybe some college kids or, you know, around that age start trying different things that's totally maybe opposite of what they were taught to see, is this really who I am? Or if I did it this way, would I be somebody else? But see, I think you, you, we can never get away from our true selves. You mm. know, you, your true self is it's like your DNA and it won't change. It won't change whether you act upon it or act like it or not. But when you begin to act in alignment with your true self, 
oh my goodness, it feels good. It works. It bears fruit. It's, it's satisfying to you and it's satisfying to other people. It's a joyful journey. So yeah, I wish we didn't have to go through much as much turmoil to find it. <laughs> I guess this came into my mind. Up until middle age, we are doing to find being. Mm-hmm. We're doing all these things to find ourselves mm-hmm. in, in our place in the world. Yeah. And it's interesting that there is a, a journey in that, that God gives us the energy in our youth. True, yeah. To walk that out, that idea of I'm testing things, I'm exploring things, I'm doing all these things to find mm-hmm. who I am and where I belong. We spend a lot of time in our early years doing to find being. Yeah, yeah. But then here we hit middle, the middle years and we're starting to get tired. <laughs> yeah, 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 that is true. Yeah, have you read uh, Richard Rohr's book, Falling Upward? No. Uh, it's a great book. It's, I think the subtitle is something like um, A Spirituality for the Second Half of Life. Mm. I, I like a lot of Richard Rohr's writings. Some of them I don't agree with, and, uh, but that's okay. We can learn from everybody. Yes. Um, but that was, a, that was a really good book, and he talks about that, how the first half of our life and the second half are very different. In the first half, we, ha- we do have a lot of energy, and we're doing, and it's okay, and it's appropriate because you know, like I said, we're, we have to discover who we are. You have to have enough, as we talked about in the uh, Living the True You, you have to have enough dots to collect, uh, to connect the dots and make a picture, you know, of who you are. And so you sort of look back and say, oh, yeah, that didn't work. I didn't like that. But that I love. But yes, when we get to the second half of life, it is different. We are tired. <laughs> Um, and I mean, we can become cynical, but, mm-hmm. you know, from all the hurts in life, right? A lot of people have a lot of wounds by the time they get to, but yeah, I think that is when we can learn to be, it's, it's a great time to explore identity, to rest, to focus and rest and be instead of just doing that. Oh, there's such freedom, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And I love that terminology. So a lot of the, the collecting the dots to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. We have to collect the dots to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And that really is the first part of our lives where we're doing. Mm-hmm. And in the doing, we're collecting. Mm-hmm. And we're finding out, I love the way you said it, oh, that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> but that did. Yeah. And, so and there's we, no shame in that. There's, yeah. That's, I mean, it's your job sort of at that age you know to try things out to decide what you what who you are and what you like and there is where we can help i think the younger generation on their journey to finding themselves mm-hmm. is to encourage the exploration yeah and when they yeah. ask questions yeah not to shoot them down and say things like oh well if you just had enough faith or you just got to believe mm-hmm. rather than allow them to ask the questions to their to test what is real and what is not. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's so important. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. cripple them in that journey if we like label them as rebellious or mm-hmm. putting false labels on them and hindering them from yeah. growing in their journey where we could actually listen to their questions and give them our own, especially for those of us who are older. Yeah. And say old. Yeah. 
Yeah. Older. It's older. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, you, and I think putting guardrails on their journey or bump, maybe bumper pads, you know, or something. So they don't hurt themselves in that, that process of exploration. Like there's some things that would be dangerous, right? Or detrimental, but to explore and to be curious and to question, ask hard questions, go color outside the lines, you know, look outside the box. That's fine. I think God loves that. And we learn a lot in the discovery process. Mm. Yeah. And that, I think part of that is helping them put those guardrails or those bumper pads uh, on, on their journey really comes to us again, like sharing our experience. Mm, yes. You know, yeah. letting them basically really what I think we're meant to be is a lot. We're meant to be there. They need bumper pads. We're meant to be that and a launching pad mm-hmm. where we yeah, let like them that. climb onto our shoulders yes. and jump farther, faster in, yeah. into their, their next seasons. Yeah. But, you know, I asked the question earlier, what are the obstacles mm, yeah. that keep us from that? And you just mentioned something that mm-hmm. I think is really important. Mm-hmm. For those of us who are who have hit middle age or are starting to face it, mm-hmm. and that is you you say we start to see the wounds we've accumulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what would you say to people who are starting to feel those wounds? What's important for mm-hmm. us, especially when it comes to identity mm-hmm. and wounds? Mm-hmm. How are those connected connected together, and what is it? that people, especially at middle age, need to do when mm-hmm. they realize they've accumulated a lot of wounds mm. earlier in their life? Yeah, great, great question, because I think sometimes, I know this was true for me, it took, it takes me a while to realize I'm hurting sometimes. Is that tr- <laughs> I don't know, is that true yes. for you? Anybody oh, else? yes, yes. Like, yeah, okay, so literally one time when I was asking the Lord, this is pretty vulnerable, but I'm going to go here, yes, when I was asking please. the Lord, like, okay, what do you, uh, you know, a sweeping inventory of my life. Show me anything I need to be highlighted in my life that might need to be dealt with. He brought back a memory I had not thought of for decades and decades. I was, I think I was in first grade and a little boy came up to me. I don't even remember who he was. He took a pencil and he said, here, tell me if this hurts. And he jabbed it into my leg. What? Yes. And I honestly don't know if he was trying to be mean or if he was just curious, like, seriously, does this hurt? But, and like, I, like the blood drained out of my face. I mean, it was searing pain. Like I thought I might, you know, pass out. And there was uh, literally like a tattoo on my leg for decades of where the lead was in my leg did not react. I didn't react. I didn't cry. I didn't, you know, scream or tell the teacher or anything. I remember later, you know, going to look, uh, and see, you know, if my leg was turning blue or, you know, if it was bleeding or something like that. And I was like, wow, God, I haven't thought of that for, for decades. Like, why do you, why are you showing me this now? Like, do I need to forgive this boy? You know, because forgiveness is a huge obstacle to us moving forward. And that wasn't it. I don't think I'd ever thought about him or held it against him. I just, I don't know. But he said, no, that's the way you deal with pain. Mm-hmm. Just like suck it up, like don't you know? And as a good father, he cares. He wants us to recognize when we're in pain and come to him. You don't have to just suck it up. You don't have to not cry or not you know react to life's hurts. It's they're real. And this is why we begin our session, living the true you. Uh, the first session is living as the beloved. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know how long it takes us to learn this. I think I'm still a novice at this, uh, but learning to live as a beloved child of a good, good father. He cares about my hurts. One of the important things in this is I, in our knowing our identity is knowing God's identity. Yeah. They're very yeah. intimately linked. Yeah. The more yeah. we know God, the more we're going to learn about ourselves eventually. Yeah. And yeah. the more we know about ourselves, that's mm-hmm. meant to mm-hmm. lead us forward into knowing the God who made us. Mm-hmm. And so they're, so they're very much tied. And you, you just said like knowing God is our good, good father and trusting that. Mm-hmm. that is a very safe place and you showed it because mm-hmm. here's the here's how it looks in action you said you asked the question right is there anything you want that me needs to, to be dealt with in my life yeah yeah wow right. that's a very vulnerable question yeah i mean you yeah. think about who would you who would you ask that question to hey do you yeah. think there's anything in my life that i haven't dealt with who are you going to yeah. ask that question to yeah yeah not not just anybody no, yeah. Maybe, maybe the your best friend, maybe your spouse, maybe the the per, you yeah. know a parent that you really really trust. Yeah, but no one knows your whole 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 story, you know, except for the heavenly Father. My, I probably didn't tell my parents about that, it, you know, for whatever reason. So to ask your good Father, your heavenly Father, what else needs to be dealt with in my life? What what could possibly be holding me back? I had not thought of that literally for decades. I think I was probably 40 when I asked God that question and that memory came back. And, but I think that opened doors to my future to realize, oh, that's how I've dealt with pain in the past. But there's something that he wants to change about that. That's not how it has to be. He's a good father and he cares when I get hurt. And I don't have to hide. I don't have to pretend that it didn't hurt. I can go to him for help and for healing and for comfort and for questions like, why did this happen? What in the world was this little boy doing? You know, I mean, maybe that's not the right question to ask, maybe, but, maybe but I can ask, I can ask him questions because he's safe and he loves me. He loves me. So how did knowing and trusting that God is safe for you to ask that question mm-hmm. and then God giving you that perspective Mm-hmm. How did that help you understand your own identity better? Mm, that's that's a deep question, <laughs> but I think that knowing our true identity needs to start, like you said, with his identity and then like our basic core identity. And so we talk about this in the course too, like part of my core identity is that I am a beloved child of the father and he is a good father. He's loving, he's safe, all of those things. If I don't start there, it's very difficult to go on to the more specific identities Mm. that he's given me. Um, Mm. It's a safe place to start. And so I have to know him as safe. I have to know him as peaceful, as hopeful, as loving, as gentle. When I experience him as that, then I can, I can be uh, I can practice being, right, a beloved daughter and just live in that place. And then I'm more able to hear him say more specific things. Like, you are a bride guide. You humbly, gently, patiently, lovingly guide the bride of Christ 
individually or corporately to lay aside what holds them back, be free from their captors and become who they are in order to be the holy and righteous bride of Christ. Hmm. I wouldn't, I didn't even believe that when he said, he just told me bride guide. That's what he told me about my identity. When I asked him, who, who do you say that I am? And I think because I didn't, I hadn't fully explored, he's a good father and I'm his beloved child. I really was not ready to receive that. That's pretty mm-hmm. big. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that, that's where it starts, like healing those hurts that, no, he loves me. I can come when I'm hurt. I can come when I'm happy. And then I can hear him for those bigger things and receive it and then go on from there. So what I'm hearing is when we're younger and we're collecting the dots is the time where God is helping us discover the basics Mm -hmm. of who he is and who we are to him to, to, as we're exploring things, we're beginning to discover through learning the scriptures and interacting with a, a community of people around those scriptures, we begin to have the knowledge of it. And then as we go through life and do things, we start to collect the dots through experience as well. Mm-hmm. Those are collecting the dots. And then when we hit our middle years, we've got all these dots collected. Then we have an obstacle in the doing yeah. we've taken on wounds. Uh, I, I think it was Robert Lewis who said, and he was, he was describing it of men, but I think this is true of everyone, that said the first part of life, the younger years, is like being a football player mm-hmm. and being in the game. And you're so in the game, you're so, there's so much adrenaline. Mm-hmm. That you don't, you're hitting people in the game and they're hitting you and you're, just ha- you're having a great time playing the game, right? Yeah. And, and you don't feel any of it because of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And then the middle years are when you start to go to halftime, yeah. sit down and out <laughs> and, and then suddenly yeah. the adrenaline drains in yeah. halftime. Oh, that's great. And you feel yeah. all of the hurts. Oh goodness. That's a great analogy. Yeah. I feel like as, as we talked about collecting the dots and then connecting the dots that when you sit down to look at those dots of your life, you know, the memories, the events, even, you know, like this thing that God brought up for me, you find that, ouch, that one, oh, that was a painful one. And it helps if you can heal those wounds so that then you can connect the dots. I think it's easier to connect them when those wounds have been healed. And so, but he's so good at this. Like literally I remember where I was sitting on a rock out by the river and I just asked him like, show me anything in my life that might need to be dealt with. And I just had a notebook and I just started writing all these things. And then I just went through them systematically and asked him, okay, what do I need to do about this? Do I, do I need to forgive somebody? Do I need to receive your comfort? Do I need to realize where you were in that moment? You know, do I need to uh, cancel judgments or curses or vows, you know, all those spiritual warfare tactics. Sometimes you might need to take that list to a counselor or spiritual director or pastor or friend and let somebody walk through that with you. And oh my goodness, it was so freeing. I just felt like, okay, thank you for showing me these things. And I did whatever he said. And I give him permission to to show me now, you know, things that I'm ready to deal with now. I'm sure there's more. 
but then I can begin to connect those dots and make a picture of them. Mm. It's not easy necessarily, but how simple it yeah. is mm. to ask God, mm-hmm. where are the wounds? Where, what's mm-hmm. going on in me? What are the things that you want me to see that I'm missing? Mm-hmm. And how often the temptation is for us to take it on our shoulders and figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's beauty in the simplicity yeah. of just coming to God and say, will you show me what's going mm-hmm. on? Will you show me what I need to know? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that he took you to a moment, I'm a little stuck on this, and I think in a good way, I hope, yeah. in a good way, that he, he took you to a moment where you were wounded, where someone yeah. deliberately wounded you. Yeah, yeah. What is it about wounds that keep us, like you mentioned unforgiveness and mm-hmm. you mentioned wounds. When we don't heal from our wounds, what is the danger in, in not dealing with our wounds? How do they keep us from knowing our true identity? Mm. Well, I think, you know, we can learn a lot in the natural about the supernatural. So what's true in the natural is often true in the spiritual or in the supernatural. So, okay, if you don't tend to a wound in the natural, what happens? (laughs) Festers. That's right. It can get infected. It can, you know, literally cause infection throughout your whole body. And even the smallest of wounds. I mean, you, so you hear about people getting a, you know, tiny scratch and then they end up with sepsis, you know, mm. on the brink of death. So I think any of those wounds from our past can become something that becomes infected. And like, for instance, clouds our vision. We, we make assumptions or we form belief systems. Mm. We form belief systems about the things that happen to us. And so I, you know, as a first grader, goodness, I could have formed a belief system, not, not necessarily that I did, but I could have said, boys are dangerous, <laughs> you know, boys are mean, or, you know, any belief system like that, that could have set me on a trajectory that was false. Yeah. Um, you know, someday I need to meet a boy and love him and, you know, form a family. Uh, so some tiny little wound like that could cloud my vision and the truth that I believe about life or myself, or I could have believed something about myself. Oh, I I must be a horrible person that he would want to do that to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think I thought that, but there's some reason that I hid, you know, or didn't show, you know, my wounds at that time. But see, that forms a belief system. And when we're children, we do the best we can with life. This is how it makes sense to me. Coping mechanisms. Right. I must not be worthy of someone being kind to me, you know, or something like that. Or all boys are dangerous and, you know, scary. But then as we grow, if we don't upgrade those belief systems, we won't be able to be our truth. I'm, you know, I'm not meant to live in fear of somebody, even of mean people, even of bullies, you know, if he even was a bully, I don't know. So yeah, those little hurts can keep us from our true identity because we're believing a lie. And that, that, this is the foundation of, of all freedom ministry is simply replacing lies with truth. And, you know, the Bible says the truth will set you free. And so if we don't know the truth, uh, particularly about our own 
our own self, we can't become our true self, right? We can't be free to be us. Yeah, we can't be free to be us. So I think those little wounds, you know, we can examine what beliefs did we form based on those and make sure that you're thinking correctly. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ so that we're thinking in line with the truth. Mm. What I hear in that, Jan, is undealt with wounds develop messages of shame. Mm, yes, very easily. They can. Shame. They can. Undealt, yeah. When we don't deal with wounds, the enemy, the accuser of our souls, mm-hmm. we give him a foothold, mm-hmm. a place that he can come into and operate out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he operates out of hurt. Mm-hmm. And so we give him territory to come yeah, in yeah. and begin speaking lies about God, right. ourselves, and other people. And this is so typical of time and time and again of myself and other people. When when I've not dealt with a wound, I've received a message that said, you know, something shameful about mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Like, I deserved that. Because, mm-hmm. so the idea of guilt, right? Guilt is... I've done something wrong. Shame is I am something wrong. When I receive hurt from other people, if I don't deal with it, the message I can hear is I, I'm garbage. They treat me like mm-hmm. garbage because mm-hmm. I am garbage, which is out of alignment That's right. Yeah. with what God is saying about us as, in the very basic sense of that right. we're his beloved. And That's so right. now I'm out of alignment with God's will. Mm-hmm. So the the very simple prayer that Jesus taught us is so profound. Not my will, but yours be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. In heaven, there is rejoicing over every one of us. Yeah. Constantly. Mm-hmm. And we come out of alignment with God's rejoicing over us and then allow the enemy out of our wounds to replace that with a, with a message of God is a judgmental, condemning God. Mm-hmm who is just looking to slap us down. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. You know, and so those, and so we're now we're living a a fear-filled, anxiety-driven life. Right. Because we haven't dealt with the wounds. Right. And and so go back to the halftime analogy. Yeah. You come into halftime and you start to feel the wounds after the adrenaline goes. Mm Mm-hmm. The next step for anybody who's smart is to go get those dealt with, go have the doctor look at them, mm-hmm. dress them right. before you go back into the game. Yeah. I really believe this is why people go into midlife crisis mm-hmm. because they go back, they try to go back into the game mm, before they're healed. Yeah. Yeah. And so they go back and they play the game the way they yeah. did when they were younger, yeah, they they go True. back to try to be young again because they haven't learned the lessons of the wounds. They haven't dealt with the wounds mm-hmm. and dealt with the messages of shame that have come out of those wounds. Mm-hmm. And so they haven't let God dress those, heal those wounds, show them mm-hmm. who they really are, who he really is. And they go back in the game without, without that knowledge, without that reality mm-hmm. of who they are and who God is. And they mm-hmm. go play the game the way they did in the first part of their life. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, like doing all the same things. This is why guys leave their wives and find a younger mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. Because they're trying to relive the first half of their life. <laughs> right. They yeah. go buy the fast car. But if we deal with the wounds, if we take the time 
in halftime to deal with the wounds. Mm-hmm. We go back in the game and we play differently. That's so good. I I love that. I think it is a timely message for people, and it and it's a relief to know you don't have to go back and play the way you did before. You're not su- you're not supposed to even, and it's t- and it's an appropriate time at at halftime at midlife to stop and look and pay attention to your body, soul, and spirit and what needs to be tended to and. Um, I think it was John, John Eldridge talks about making agreements with the enemy. I, I loved that. Um, that was a, a phrase that caught my attention. I do not want to make agreements with the enemy. Like that was shocking. But when, when those wounds are not dealt with and then it turns into this belief or this lie that we swallow, it, it causes us to make an agreement with the enemy or the accuser to say, yeah, I'm, I am a bad person, you know, I am shameful, or I'm not worthy. But instead, if we can look at what the father said, and this is so important, I think, as we're tending to those wounds, don't just wallow in your wounds at halftime. Let him give, I mean, let him give you a list. I wrote down all the things that needed to be (laughs) dealt with. But you don't have to spend decades going over that with the counselor or anything. I mean, God can do it quickly, but focus as much or more on the good, on the truth, like quickly identify the lies, right, that have happened from the wounds, but as quickly ask God, what's the truth instead? What is the instead to this? Show me the antidote. So don't, because then we could just get caught up oh my goodness, I believed a lie. I've built my life on it. I have a belief system that needs to be broken down. It's going to be so much work. No, no, no. Just ask the Lord, what's the instead? What is the truth that counters this lie that that I have based on this hurt? And then live into that. That is a joyful thing to live into. I am worthy. I'm a child of God. He loves me unconditionally. Yeah. You know, things like that. And there's the a place to live. The opposite. The the instead. The opposite of that. Yeah, it's 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 so often that's what the enemy does, right? He's he lies. Everything mm-hmm. is illusion and deception mm-hmm. to cover up what is really there. And so what he does oftentimes is he he speaks the exact opposite mm-hmm. of what God is saying. You know, like the process of forgiveness is going, where am I hurt? And what message did I receive from that mm-hmm. hurt? Mm-hmm. And what's the opposite of that message? Right. Like yeah. I, I oftentimes I hear people say, I'm worthless. Yeah. Okay, what's the opposite of that message? Because that's the enemy covering up what's true by giving yeah. you that message. So you won't go deep and find what's really true of you. Yeah. So what's the opposite of that message? Here's where we start. Well, I'm priceless. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, Graham Cook, I think, that taught me this. I can't believe I haven't quoted him yet. He's one of my (laughs) greatest uh, mentors. But he talks about the instead based in Isaiah 61, you know, that says, I will give you beauty instead of ashes, a garment of praise instead of despair. And so whatever that negative is that you have, there's an instead. And, And it might not be what we would think of as the exact opposite. Like I wouldn't have said beauty is the opposite of ashes, mm. but it's an instead, it's an antidote for it. Mm. The, the oil of, of gladness for mourning, 
a garment of praise instead of despair or heaviness. So he, he will give you the antidote to any of your wounds, any of the lies, and then what, what a joy to live into, to, to live into beauty, to live into the oil of gladness, to live into a garment of praise. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I can do that. But, and, and Graham Cook also talks about not working on the old, but live into the new. We don't, we don't have to fix up our old self. You know, when we figure, when we realize we've been lied to and we've been living from our old self, we don't have to fix that. We just live into the new. Yeah. The analogy of, of getting the wounds healed at halftime so you can go Mm -hmm. back in the game. You know, we don't have as much energy after the first half of life because we're we're, we got a little break but we're going back in the game and and we're going back with less energy in the second half right but this is where we go back and we play differently now we see there's Mm -hmm. other people around us and we encourage them we're more solid in who we are Mm -hmm. we understand who we are better Mm -hmm. and we have accepted who we are now we go back into the game and out of that place of receiving all of the love that God has for us specifically, uniquely, Mm -hmm. we can now give it away. We can live out of the overflow. Mm -hmm. So for you, now that you've, you were already talking about how you've come through and asked God about those wounds. And, and I was laughing because you said, I made a list and I just went to Santa Claus song, you know, uh, (laughs) Santa Claus is coming to town, making the list. Making a list, checking it twice. But you've made that list and you have released those wounds. So through mm-hmm. that process, mm-hmm. what have you learned about yourself and how is that helping you go back into the game in mm-hmm. the second half of your life and play differently mm-hmm. for you, Jan Romero? For me. Yeah. What have you learned about your identity Yeah. and how is that helping you live differently in, in this part of your life? Goodness. That is a great question. Um, and I think Richard Rohr talked about this in the falling upward that like in the first half of life, we, we use a lot of strength and energy. And in the second half, we have wisdom and, but we need each other. Like we, the young people need like the wisdom and, and insight that we have. And we need their energy and strength because we can't go back and play the game the same. Mm. And so I would say, do not play the game the same. Okay. And so now in the second half of life and after this, you know, many revelations from the Lord, I live and lead from the overflow of abiding with Christ. Uh, I live and lead from the overflow. I used to try to produce things. I was in ministry for decades. We led a church, we planted a church. We used models and methods and systems and planned and all of those things are great. And you do that in the first half of life. But (laughs) but we became tired. We were weary. We really have a story of burnout. In the second half of life, I live and lead from overflow of abiding with him. So one of my other identity statements. Yeah, Would you give us all of them? Would you mind sharing? (laughs) That's really specifically, what is it you've learned about yourself that lets you live out of that overflow for you? What really connects to you that God has shown you who you are? Well, one, one of my identity statements that I've been just unpacking this, even this weekend more, um, is I am a well-watered garden. Um, so Isaiah 58 uh, talks about this and 
Proverbs 11:25 says, "He who waters will himself be watered, mm. or he who waters will herself be watered." I gave a lot. I lo- I watered a lot of people. I was in ministry for years. I still am. But I don't think I focus on that part of I get to be watered. And so I'm a well-watered garden was sort of a promise from Isaiah 58. If you do these things, if you, you know, give to the, the homeless poor and things like that, you will become a well-watered garden. But there is so much permission to be watered, to be with God, to abide in his presence, to to sit and do nothing that looks productive to the eyes of the world, to lay in my hammock and watch the leaves blow in the wind and to enjoy the majesty of what he's created. I'm watered by beauty. Mm. That's what he said to me this weekend as I was away. He said, I want to wash you with beauty. Mm. I was like, please, yes, sign me up. Um, so I am a well-watered garden. I am watered by God and I live and lead from the overflow, watering others as I go. And what he showed me just this weekend is that this is the first identity statement. I I, I said the bride guide one, but he showed me this weekend, if it doesn't start here where I am watered and it overflows, then I can guide others. Then I am an explorer of the kingdom, an adventurer who will scout out the land to find the best vistas and and pitfalls so that, you know, then I can be a bride guide. I can lead other people. I go explore the kingdom. I guide other people through that land. I am a curious warrior, not afraid even of dark places. I will be given the treasures of darkness for myself and for others. Mm. Again, if I am not saturated first, full and healthy, put on the whole armor of God, you know, have him put it on. I can't go out safely, you know, to fight battles or to go into dark places or obscure places and gain the treasures there. I also have a ministry of availability. It's, it's not just about being available like with my time, but I have the ability to avail in any circumstance that God calls me to. I have to remember that that comes from being a well-watered garden. I can only avail when I am full and saturated and overflowing. And then I can, and then that water can flow wherever he needs it to, you know, and I'm available for, for it to flow there. And then I'm, I'm an intercessor for rulers and for regions. I pray for God appointed people who steward territory in the kingdom and places in the kingdom that last one especially hits me is that that could be a big burden if we're not giving it back to god Mm -hmm. and that comes from being a well-watered garden where you're Mm -hmm. bringing you're allowing yourself to receive from god and then give him the things that are too heavy for you to carry right where jesus says come to me all you who are weary and heavy burden and i will give you rest my question is the well-watered garden, the the invitation to come and receive and rest, was that hard for you in the first part of your life? Oh, goodness, yes. Yes, 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 and yes. Um, I, I remember when I started having uh, what I call a prayer retreat once a month, because I I feel I do have a calling of an intercessor, and so I knew I needed to get away, you know, monthly to pray. But in the beginning, it was 
a duty, an assignment. Obligation. Um, an obligation. I need to do this. If I'm going to be an intercessor, I have to go away and pray. You know, and so you have a list or you have people or things that you pray for. And it was much more active and striving, if you will. But that, but see, the law is a tutor, right? It says you, you begin as a law, right? Do it this way. Walk this way. But it's a tutor to teach you then how to walk in the spirit. And so I began as law, we'll say, you know, do it this way. Go away once a month. Pray for these people, do these things, say these words, you know, whatever. But the, what I realized, the more I did it, the more years and years that I did that, freer I became. And the more I could pray in the spirit, not just by the law. And my times away began to be much, much more about being than doing. And I would spend three, four hours just being, being with God, just enjoying beauty, watching the river go by and maybe at the end sentences or paragraphs would flow from my mouth mm. uh, or I would think of the person that I was called to pray for and picture them with Jesus or, you know, ask him a question about them. But there was so fewer words and so much mm. more time just being and receiving and enjoying mm. what freedom, but but there is no shame in starting where I started and where everybody starts. We start with the law. Which kind of like lists the law, like I've got a list of people I need to pray for that kind yeah. of like almost, is that like the law? Like you're like, these are the people I'm going away to pray for this, 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 yeah. this, this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oftentimes I would, in those early days, or, or I guess as I was morphing, uh, I would come back and my husband would say, you know, what, what did you do? What did God say? You know, what did you get? What revelation did you get? And I, I couldn't even articulate it. I was like, um, you know, sometimes I realize that this will, this will shock some people. Like I didn't even open my Bible. Hmm. Like what? Um, but it, it wasn't about that. It was about being in his presence. And I, hmm. it was indescribable what happened or how it was transformed. And it wasn't like weird or otherworldly or anything it was it was just being I don't know yeah. how can you describe being no. yeah I mean I think <laughs> you know? you've done a great job of it really of just yeah. talking about resting and and yeah. being there with him and then the words would rise up you know yeah. being uh, watered so much yeah. that you're saturated and then the words just flow and then the actions just flow that's I think what happened in the second half of life when I sort of had a paradigm shift that I don't have to act or do until I am so saturated that it just comes out of me. Oh, that's so um, beautiful. And so freedom. You, yes, it is such freedom. You, you do not have to say yes to everything, <laughs> young people um, <laughs> and middle-aged people and old people. You don't have to say yes to everything. Wait until you're saturated and overflowing and dripping with the presence of God. And then you say yes, because that's where the water's flowing. You know, so I said yes to this podcast. I don't love doing <laughs> podcasts. It's intimidating to me. Yeah, I understand. I, I'm intimidated every time before I come on. And that's why we pray a lot, you know, yeah. again, to live out of the overflow. I'm like, God, exactly. Yeah. And he's done that. I mean, yeah. so just, I am really just blown away as to what he's done in this already today. It's mm. just flowed. Yeah. Between you and like I. Yeah. What advice would you give people? for a place to start 
in discovering their true you. Mm. Yeah, I guess, yeah, to begin to discover their true you, where, mm. where, what's the first step that mm. people can you, take? You ask good questions, Kurt. You should be a spiritual director. I think you are. <laughs> Certified. <laughs> Certified, yes. I would say start where you are. Okay, so um, just start mm. where you are. You you are not behind. You do not have to catch up. You don't have to be where I am. You don't have to be where Kurt is. You don't have to be where your pastor or pastor's wife is or friend or anybody else. Start where you are. If you are devastated and grieving and have tons of hurt, fine. Start there and ask God questions. Oh, man. Uh, ask that is questions. so good. That is so good. In fact, I just read exodus um this week where i think it i can't remember where in exodus this is Mm -hmm. but israel yells out to god and at the foot Mm -hmm. of this you know they're at the foot of mount sinai and it is Mm -hmm. just erupting dark Mm -hmm. storm thunder yes and they're freaking out right yeah. Hebrews 12 says even Moses says I'm I'm shaking with fear. Yeah. yeah. And and they say no. God said if you listen to my voice and do what I say, you will be to me a treasured possession, mm-hmm. a holy nation, mm-hmm. a royal priesthood. Yeah. And they say we don't want to listen to God Moses. You go listen to God and tell us what he says and we'll obey. And in my mind and other people I was studying that with, they, we would say, man, that's exactly the opposite of what God told him to do. Not listen to Moses, listen to him. Mm-hmm. But God says, it is well what they said. Mm. It is well. And I'm like, mm. what? Because it's exactly what you're saying. They confessed to God where they were. Right. They yeah. were terrified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and they acknowledged this is the place I'm starting, God, and I'm yeah. terrified of you, and I want to hear, but I'm not in the place to hear directly from you. So send Moses mm-hmm. and bring your word back, and then we will listen and obey. So it's mm-hmm. still God's word, but this is the place where I, this is how I can listen to it right now. I can't mm-hmm. listen to it through the storm. I yeah. need to listen to it through this person. God starts where you are. And that's why yeah. so many people have such a hard time with the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Yeah. They go to different God and like, no, people were at a different f- place. Yeah. And yeah. God interacted with people. You don't interact with a three-year-old the same right. as a 13-year-old, the same as a 23-year-old. Exactly. If you're a parent, mm-hmm. you interact with them differently. Yeah. And, and that's the same with God. And the beauty of the Old Testament, mm. the beauty of the New Testament, God starts where we are. That's right. And, and we, some, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and so the honesty from our end, Jesus says in Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Mm, and whoever great. lets me in, I will eat with him and he will eat yeah. with me. That's an intimate fellowship in the first century is eating together is an intimacy, an act of, I, I'm going to walk with you intimately through your life. That's what yeah. that proclaimed. And it'd be, right before that, it says, Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Mm, mm-hmm. And so that word isn't for the unbeliever like many churches, like, and that's good that we share that with people who are not believers, but that's first for us. Yeah, Jesus said, I'm knocking at the door of your heart in every moment. Will you let me in? And the way we do it is we confess, this right. is where I'm at. Yep. Let that's, him meet you there. Yeah. 
and then ask yeah. the questions, where are you in this? Here's where I am. Yeah. Where are you in this? That's what I right. hear you saying. Yes. Um, some, I wish I knew who this quote was from. Somebody said, uh, don't confuse your beginning with somebody else's middle or end. You know, so again, don't, don't let the enemy shame you for where you are. If you're just beginning and you're looking at somebody else that's in the middle of their story or the end of their story, don't, you, there's no way you can compare that. But start, start with you where you are. Ask God questions. Ask what he has for you instead of any negatives that you have in your life. Ask him what he wants you to know. Ask him all kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to know about this, this day, this, about my life? One of my favorite questions, this is from Graham Cook as well. What season are you in? Ask him what season you're in. And that will show you what it's time for. Is, is it a season? You know, the Ecclesiastes says there's a time and a season for everything. Is it a time for healing? Is it a time for casting off? Is, is it a time... Uh, for building up or tearing down that those so they're so important and so just ask him questions he will lead you he will lead you toward your true identity and it will be a joy and a delight but it is a journey it's a journey mm-hmm. um, when, when I do the true you material with people I tell them you will be unpacking this for decades mm-hmm. you're not behind do not try to get ahead enjoy the journey, enjoy every bit of it. Like I said, this very weekend, God showed me more about some of my identity statements. I literally changed some of the words in them. Um, so it's, it's a journey. Start where you are, ask good questions, do what he says. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's perfect. That's, I, let's say, I think we've, we've just hit the ending right there. Let's, summarized it right there. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> so to end with, if people want to go through this with you, yeah. If people are looking to understand their true identity, they're mm-hmm. looking for a spiritual director to have a spiritual director in their lives. Yeah. How could they contact you? And and this I'm going to say this has cost money, but it's well worth the money. I mm-hmm. Jan did not do this for free for me, and I did not expect that because her time is worth it. And yeah. I'm telling you this is the stuff that's important. So how do they contact you? They're interested in this. Um, you can email me at jan at eaglesrest.org. That's the name of our ministry is Eagles Rest. Uh, we have a, a home for a sabbatical home for missionaries and, and people in ministry. And then I also do spiritual direction and coaching online for people all over the world. But I do this identity material online or in person. If you happen to come here, we can, or I'll fly to you. You know, we can have a, we can do it in a retreat setting, but just email me, janeteaglesrest.org. I really love to customize it for who you are and where you are and what works for you. Sometimes I've done it over six sessions, over six weeks. Sometimes I've done it in a weekend retreat, you know, just whatever works and wherever God is taking you. I love it. It's, it really becomes personal identity coaching. Mm. I, I think you saw that, Kurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I just That's great. I love um, I love following. I'm an explorer. I love following wherever God is leading and helping take you to the next level to guide you as the bride of Christ because you are part of the body of Christ, right? You're the mm-hmm. bride, and so I I don't guide on my own. It's only by the Holy Spirit, but. I just, I love doing it. It is a delight every time. So yeah, just mm. email me, janeteaglesrest.org. We'll just talk and see what you need and see where to go from here and it'd be awesome. Well, speaking of delight, you were a delight today, Jan. Thank this you. is amazing. Thank, Thank you so much for being on this show.
Thanks for hanging in there through a difficult recording. I know it wasn't the best it could be. But thanks for listening, and I hope you got as much out of that as I did in listening to Jan. If you're looking for someone to help you live out of the overflow of God's love, Jan's email is jan at eaglesrest.org. If you would like to contact me here at Life Hurts God Heals, You can like us on Facebook and message us that way. Our Facebook page is Life Hurts God Heals. That simple. Or you can email me at lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. You may have questions. You may want to support this ministry. You may want to ask me how I can assist you in spiritual direction. You may want more information on Jan's ministry. Whatever it is, go ahead and contact me. I would love to hear from you. Until next time, may God cause his face to shine upon you. May you receive all of his rejoicing and blessings for you. Take care.